On this episode of AZ to DC, we talk with Congressman David Schweikert of Arizona's 6th District about the exploding fentanyl crisis in Arizona and what Congress can do to help end the scourge. Fentanyl has become the number one illicit drug threat in Arizona. Fentanyl and fentanyl analogs are synthetic opioids 50 times more powerful than heroin and 100 times more powerful than morphine. An amount of as little as 2 milligrams can be fatal. The threat is magnified by drug distributors selling counterfeit pills laced with deadly fentanyl. Fentanyl is highly potent, cheaply manufactured, and easily transported, which makes it a profitable narcotic for illicit drug distributors. Next up on AZ to DC, a conversation with Congressman David Schweikert. We recognize you have many choices when it comes to informative podcasts about the criminal justice system. Here at the Arizona Criminal Justice Commission, we recommend checking out the National Criminal Justice Association's podcast. The National Criminal Justice Association is a not-for-profit, nonpartisan member association dedicated to assisting criminal justice agencies in the development and implementation of effective criminal justice policy. The NCJA podcast explores promising practices, provides guidance on strategic planning, and discusses the fundamentals of the Burn Justice Assistance Grant Program. You can find the NCJA podcast at www.ncja.org or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Today on AZ to DC, we are talking with Congressman David Schweikert of Arizona's 6th District. Congressman Schweikert is serving his sixth term in the United States Congress. He currently serves on the Ways and Means Committee and previously served on the Financial Services Committee. Congressman Schweikert has a number of legislative accomplishments, including the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act and playing a key role in advancing the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement. Previous to his time in Washington, D.C., Congressman Schweikert served in the Arizona House and was the Maricopa County Treasurer. But recently, the congressman has focused his attention on the fentanyl crisis in Arizona, which is why we wanted to talk with him today on AZ to D.C. Welcome, Congressman Schweikert. Well, thank you for having me. So if we can start off, Congressman, if I could give you just some high-level facts, just four facts about fentanyl in oh, Arizona. I'll make you give me the facts, but you're going to call me David. All right. All right, David. I'm a, I'm a retired military person, so yeah, I'm very uh, to accustomed to rank, so I apologize that. All right, David. First one, fentanyl is the most significant illicit drug threat in Arizona. Fentanyl is the drug most associated with overdoses in Arizona today. There is a high use of fentanyl among underage users in Arizona, and fentanyl deaths may have been higher in Arizona, but for the availability of naloxone. Can you give us your general thoughts on the fentanyl problem as you see it in Arizona? Yeah, and I think your facts aren't actually dark enough. There's some data coming out that the scale of the problem is actually much, much worse than the community truly understands. And some of this I get both because of my job and some I get because my neighbor 
you know, is a sergeant on, on the, the Phoenix police force. And even he and some of his deputies were talking about, or his officers, how the price of fentanyl has crashed in many of the neighborhoods. And, and if that gives you a sense of its availability. Now, from a federal standpoint, you know, border policy um, ties into homelessness, access to fentanyl, other things. But come drive around with me in some of the neighborhoods. I, I was at 17th Avenue and Bethany home just yesterday. And, you know, the number of individuals being pointed out to me that were living in the alley that were fentanyl users, as the officer was explaining to me. So my fear is too many people think this is going to be something where if we would just have more traffic stops, but the scale of the problem and now the scale of our fear, because let's face it, when we're actually seeing powder, so not even stamped into pills, right. um, showing up at 27th Avenue and Troya, and you start to realize just some of that powder being left in an inappropriate place mm -hmm. could take how many lives. The number of homeless that we know who have died in the last 12 months from fentanyl overdoses, let alone the, what's showing up in our high schools and even elementary schools. I'm just, I'm, I continue to be just shocked that there's not more just a set of alarm bells going off on the scale yeah. of this problem. I appreciate that perspective. Earlier in the year, you signed on to a letter from Congressman Steele from Wisconsin. You, and the letter was asking the Biden administration to support the preservation of the Schedule One classification of uh, fentanyl-related substances. You also held a roundtable uh, recently mm -hmm. talking about the fentanyl crisis and made a, a floor speech that was focused on fentanyl and related border crisis. Are you involved in any other initiatives or bills in Congress to address the growth of fentanyl yeah. in Arizona? One of, the, one of the weird things that we're working on is how something like a synthetic opioid is actually scheduled. Because it turns out there's now a number of different formulations that seem to be circulating in the U.S. and around the world. And just making sure that statutorily, we've given law enforcement the definitional, if this makes sense, of these are synthetic opioids of all categories. It doesn't necessarily matter on the fact that the chemical chain had this tree. Right. It's because that was one of our scheduling problems we were having is saying, okay, this is this, but now someone has figured out how to add another chemical to it. So it was outside the definition. So we're trying to make it much more universal. And um, that's something law enforcement of all level have given us. The other is trying to also get a much better understanding of how it's coming across the border. Is it crossing through customs? Is it in car panels? Is it in the produce? Or is it being backpacked across? Because um, the best answer we keep getting is yes to all, everything. The third thing is also we've actually done some reaching out to the Mexican government, trying to get some intelligence and also from DEA of the folklore we had from a couple of years ago was the precursor chemicals shipped in from China to Mexico and then assembled into synthetic, you know, synthetic opioids, fentanyl. Right. 
the stories where we've been getting this last year is the cartels have made so much money on their human smuggling and other illegal activities that they're now actually starting to, in Mexico, manufacture some of the precursor chemicals themselves and, and change the supply chain. So that actually is also something we consider very threatening because it means the ability to scale it up even beyond its crazy proportions it is today is just a flip of a switch. Of the initiatives and efforts that you mentioned, what can realistically be done, do you think, in the short term, considering as an outside observer, there, there appears to be a lot of gridlock in, in Congress, but this problem, this fentanyl problem seems like it is, it is growing at an exponentially faster rate than any possible legislative action can take place. And that's just a, a, an, a, an observation and feeling. It's yeah, not, it's I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Um, I believe the resources, the mandate for a dramatically different border policy, giving customs, particularly for the, what may be actually coming through the Port of Mariposa and other places, get, empowering them. I actually think we could have a real impact. When you're being told that the price has crashed in the last year, lets you understand an availability issue. It's you right. know, supply and demand economics. What is the one thing the federal government could flip a switch and do a lot of things very aggressively, very quickly? And that would be that southern border. Are there things that we can do, and we as a state agency that manages uh, federal grants and sends them down to the locals, are there things that we can do in partnership with Congress, too, to help address the crisis? Yeah, my, but my answer is going to be a little weird. So... The, and this, this is one of the reasons we held that fentanyl forum um, a couple months ago, is we have too many channels of information, often saying the same thing, often saying different things, coming into our offices, our community. The newsletter we put out every week where we've tried to focus on fentanyl in North Phoenix and Scottsdale so folks understand it's in our neighborhoods. We need a much better hub of information. And that hub is, hey, if I, if I grabbed a website, could I see a list of all the substantial fentanyl arrests in the last 30 days? Could I see how much was stamped to pills? How much was stamped to rainbow pills? How much was in powder? What was the distribution mechanisms? Are, is it true the rumors that you know, there's plumbing vans that have been stripped out or being used as transportation? I mean, you know, because we get inbound into our office from the concerned citizen saying, I heard this rumor. Where do we take that rumor? Do we yeah. call the Phoenix police? Do we call the sheriff's office? Do we call the Scottsdale police? I, I guess I'm, I'm hunting for a more centralized distribution of inbound and outbound. So where do we provide what little information our, our citizens get, our, our, our community gets? Where do they tell it? And then the flip side, where do we distribute it? Am I making sense on that? You, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's a, a great thought. And lot, there are some initiatives we're working on here at the Criminal Justice Commission that corral, corral data like that and make it available to, at one central point. It, but our problem is this is something we need to move fast 
It can't be bureaucratized. Yeah, the fact of the matter is we all walk around with these things. The, the ability to just set up a crowdsourced hub of inbound, outbound information instead of us setting up Google alerts on fentanyl arrests in, from Phoenix newspapers. Because that's what we're doing today. Yeah, um, there's got to be a more professional, fast way to do it. Well, speaking of technology, and you were making reference to your phone, you know, one of the facts I listed at the beginning of the episode was the high use of fentanyl among underage users. Some of that use involves poisoning because young people are buying um, drugs that they think are one thing, but they're laced with fentanyl. Mm -hmm. The buyer just doesn't know it. And uh, messaging apps like WhatsApp and Snapchat and, and then social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok are being used by the drug dealers to distribute those drugs. You know, in, in particular, we're talking about fentanyl here, very deadly and dangerous drugs that those social media platforms are, are using to distribute to our youth. Is there anything that Congress can do to regulate the content that young people are exposed to or that social media allow through these services when it comes to selling uh, illicit drugs? See, some of that's already in statute, but the technology moves so quickly. So should Congress, through the commission, provide a little more resources saying the ads that pop up on a TikTok or, or, or some WhatsApp or these things are also warning you how dangerous this is? Because some of these, uh, these apps are being used, everything from human smuggling to human exploitation to narcotics distribution to criminal activities to organizing people to attack a store. So it's a universal. And there are already statutes out there that these become platforms for criminal activities. I mean, we, you, you know, Silk Road, if you go back uh, a few years ago. The statutes that were used to shut that down because it was a platform for distributing illicit product. My fear is thinking there's going to be some magic legislation that the social media world is going to figure out how to design an algorithm to somehow filter all this out. It turns out, as you know right now, the dealers and the users have just keep creating new terms and new names yep. And, yep. And, and new emojis to say, here's what we have. I think it's going to it require something a little more universal on the attack and the information distribution. Right. Switching gears a little bit, you held a, a roundtable in, uh, I think it was April, discussing the fentanyl crisis. After that roundtable, you said, um, quote, I heard many stories about fentanyl impacting our communities, and I listened as law enforcement outlined the tragic reality they face in dealing with this crisis, end quote. What was the hardest information for you to hear at that roundtable, young folks? Um, and I've had this multiple times now, which, which will rip you apart. We had one participant who was talking about her teenage son, who, once again, thought he was taking one thing and ended up having a fentanyl lace pill, and it took his life. My wife and I were out walking neighborhoods a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, we're walking a neighborhood and they're telling me that a 14-year-old down the street had, a couple nights earlier, had been taken to the emergency room because they thought a fentanyl overdose. So it, it's, it's more than just getting the tragic story. 
it's when you're running into the tragic story repeatedly and you're, I'm terrified it, there becomes this numbing effect. Oh yeah. I've heard that sort of thing before. Oh yeah. Cause there, there seems to become this sort of cruelty in our society that you sort of shrug and say, what can I do? That's just, you know, we're going to lose so many of our teenagers or so many of our homeless will be dead in the alley or this and that. And we can never let this just become societally acceptable. Sure. Is there anything that you drew from that roundtable experience that gives you some hope that we're going to get out in front of this problem? The hopeful side was how professional Arizona was attacking the problem. And what was terrifying was how overwhelmingly big the problem was and where it was. This isn't just, oh, that's in the wrong side of town. When you start to read about the Scottsdale police being participating in a massive bust, that was for distribution in Scottsdale. I think a lot of our folks need to wake up and understand this is woven completely through our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier, uh, in an earlier comment, the availability and the price and the low price of, of fentanyl. You know, I think the scariest number that we don't have when we deal with illicit drugs is how much is making it through in either through Arizona and into other parts of the, uh, of the country or making it into our communities and, and parking itself there and being used there. We do have some data on price of fentanyl. Yeah. And so the latest data that I have is the statewide average range of fentanyl is between $9 and $15. The lowest yeah. price in- 12, $12 was the number we've been using. Yeah, that way you're right in that range. The lowest price in Phoenix and Tucson, 50 cents and a dollar thirty per pill, respectively. That's if you're willing to buy, if you're, I'm told if you're willing to buy in bulk. Um, and look, you you know this because you're an expert on this. Phoenix apparently now is like the national distribution hub. So we've solved one of the supply chains, just the wrong one. And apparently there. I mean, I, I get these stories of, yeah, the, there's if you're willing to buy in bulk and ship, take it out of the community. So you're not competing with other dealers. You can buy in bulk in the Phoenix area. If that doesn't raise the hair on the back of your neck, that there's something horribly wrong. And this is no longer just a problem of the Southwest. Um, we're now hearing stories through Ohio and other places that they're having these huge spikes of fentanyl deaths. But a lot of that is coming through Phoenix as the warehousing, as the distribution center. Do you think with this problem, we're, 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 we're placing too much of a focus on the supply reduction effort and not enough about the demand reduction effort? Because I think about, particularly with drugs targeting youth, our anti-meth campaigns and, and a, a drunk driving campaign that MAD put on. And we're really focused on changing the, the perception of the possible user and that that's how, in part, supply is curbed. What do you think about that? Are we not doing enough on the demand side? Uh, see, I'm from the theory you do everything, but you also still have to look at the meth numbers are still extraordinarily high. The amount of meth that's also being captured pretty much does rival the amount of fentanyl. It's just the fentanyl seems to be much more deadly, um, much more potent. But but look at the number of methamphetamine availability also. Um, Demand reduction, 
Absolutely, particularly if the argument on fentanyl is, well, it's stamped to look like an Adderall pill. So someone thought they were taking something it wasn't. Absolutely. But you also have to put those ads, that information in the places that both the young, the, the users of those would find it. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the reality of running a nice ad on Bloomberg Financial Cable might be make a great public service announcement, but it's a completely wrong at audience. Right. If it's on TikTok, maybe you're now actually going to the population that actually needs to understand this. Good point. Recently, you gave a floor speech on fentanyl in the border. You showed a, a table of the uh, four southwest border states that identified out of all the pills seized from those southwest border states, so uh, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, out of those four border states, 79.5% of them were seized at Arizona's border. Next closest was California. I think it was about 17%. What do you think makes Arizona the preferred state for trafficking fentanyl pills? Oh, um, I, I actually, we, we've, had some conversations with the experts on this and also customs on this. Arizona has some very active commercial ports, very active in also bringing agricultural product, people back and forth. And because fentanyl can be so potent and so concentrated and in small packages that sometimes it's just apparently for the cartels much more economical to try to run it through commercial ports than it is to throw it in someone's backpack and you know have them truck across the desert. So um, that is our, our best guess, is that the majority of this is actually coming through underneath customs. And that's why that earlier discussion of what tools, resources can we give customs to even do a better job of finding hollow containers, the hollow watermelon in, in the truck, the other things, the, how they're getting this across. And it's sort of related to the border and, and kind of the source of, of this drug. In Congressman Steele's letter that you signed on to, he wrote that, quote, China has been the principal source of the precursor agents from which fentanyl is produced. China has also been identified as a source of uh, precursors for methamphetamine as well. And you, you had mentioned uh, that problem that exists in parallel with fentanyl. What can the federal government do to curb the flow of precursor chemicals from China, well, especially considering our, our relationship with China? Isn't that, isn't that great these days? That, that's actually where it's getting really interesting and, and much more, more complicated. When we're getting some intelligence information saying that the Mexican cartels have become so sophisticated and so stunningly well-funded because of their human smuggling operations, which is apparently, I mean, it's a, a, apparently a multi-billion dollar industry now. That cash has gone into now the manufacturing of their own chemicals, their own base chemicals. And if you ever sort of look at what is a synthetic opioid and you realize these aren't that complex of uh, chemical-based small molecules. So it's the concern of what comes out of China and possibly other parts of the world, and now what is the new industrial manufacturing base within particularly Mexico, making the very base chemicals. And why that I fear so much about that is if that 
changes their cost of production? Does that change their cost of sort of dumping it into North America, into the United States? Well, I have one last question before I let you go. I couldn't let you go without asking you a tax-related question. That is in your wheelhouse. When I think <laughs> of tax revenue, <laughs> th- and you do it well, when I think of tax revenue, especially my job here at the Criminal Justice Commission, I, I relate it to funding for grant programs. We're the state administration. I can't imagine why you wouldn't see it through grant programs. <laughs> We're the state administering agency for the Burn Justice Assistance Grant. Mm-hmm. And that's really focused here in Arizona on um, drug apprehension and prosecution. Uh, as a member of Ways and Means, do you see less funding available that uh, might be made available to these vital grant programs like Burn JAG program here in, in Arizona? Um, it's actually a brilliant question and a much bigger question than you may appreciate. There are severe financial issues that we're in, and it's one of the things that enrages me. Look, when you see Social Security in a decade, Social Security recipients getting you know a quarter of their check disappearing. When you start to realize structurally we will, in a decade or so, have multi-trillion dollar deficits solely because of the unfunded liabilities in Medicare and Social Security, um, where the rest of the budget's substantially imbalanced. I'm not sure there's an understanding in a lot of government on the financial stresses that are coming. And a lot of this is just demographics. We we have obligations to seniors and we don't we've not set aside the resources to deal with it. And then you put in the other stressors in society, drug use. You know, the growth of diabetes and other things in, in, in society that consume huge amounts of, of tax revenues. And then if you're heading into a time where inflation is a longer-term problem and productivity is flat as an economy, I know I'm geeking out a bit, but I guess what I'm trying to say is unless we do economic policies to get the economic engine much healthier, long-term in the United States, there's a lot of straws in this soda trying to suck out. And we're heading towards a time in, in not too long from now where there's going to be dramatic cuts to lots of good uses of taxpayer money because you're going to have to prioritize. And so it turns out that that economic growth, that economic vitality of the entire country becomes critical to being able to take on the problems in society. Thank you for that thoughtful response. Well, Congressman, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your busy schedule to talk with us on the AZ to DC podcast. Any last parting words for us before we leave? No. Thank you for having us. Um, Please, as you know, I threw out a little bit of a challenge to you. Help us have a better conduit to understand the scale and for people that think they've been affected to be able to either report or tell their story. Absolutely. And thank Uh, you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We appreciate you bringing attention to the issue and hope uh, we can continue to stay engaged with you. For more information about Congressman Schweikert and the issues he is working on, visit www.schweikert.house.gov. Congressman, it's a pleasure and uh, best to you. Goodbye now. This has been an Arizona Criminal Justice Commission production. 
For more information about the Arizona Criminal Justice Commission, visit www.azcjc.gov and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you like this episode and are interested in hearing more, subscribe to AZ to DC on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.